Welcome to a new episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at DML57. Apologize, we took a little, had some schedule conflicts last week, and there really wasn't much to talk about. So we did not have a recording last week, but we have plenty to talk about this evening because of some news that just dropped, oh, about an hour ago. So I've got all of my usual line mates with me this evening. Up first, you can find on Twitter at Shepard Price. It is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Like my favorite wrestler, rejoin the Dark Order. Rejoin the Dark Order or you were cursed forever. Yes, yes. Although he is technically with the best friends, and I don't know if, if that's a permanent thing, but Danhausen is a best friend. Danhausen is the best, period. That's what I've decided in my uh, two months of getting back into pro wrestling. Danhausen's the best. Wait until he's in the ring. I can't. I am. When is a broken, whatever heels, um, legs, I think it's like, well, I think it's, I think it's either leg or legs. Yeah. Bro, broke it something. He broke something. I know that. And, uh, yeah. So, so I'm looking forward to that, but, uh, let's, let's keep moving along and bring in the next member of our usual crew. You can find on Twitter at mill 82 and he is the second city hockey. What unfortunately a somber sky point Mark Lanigan was to the screaming trees. It is mill Savage. Very nice. Very evil. Very nice, very evil. Exactly. I believe Danhausen has a uh, inanimate carbon rod placed in his leg. I believe that's the uh, the the problem. So, okay. We'll, okay. hopefully, he'll be back soon to do the tequila dance <laughs> and then kick somebody in the chest after uh, putting after putting human teeth in their mouth because it's not a foreign object if it's already yeah. in the mouth. Yep, and I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I I think he's considered best friends adjacent. Okay, like yeah. like Wheeler, like Wheeler until Davis yeah, it's like until Brian Danielson he, steals him. He and Orange Cassidy are boys, right? Like they're they're they seem to yeah, be- they they both wrestled in Crown Point against each other. Oh, there you go. Uh, before AEW. Oh, oh, not like two weeks ago at the uh, whatever. No, but I, I did see uh, Dante Martin, Sky Blue, and um, Layla Hirsch at that. Oh, there you go. Which was cool. Yeah, sorry, I missed out. I was watching uh, other wrestling. That's all right. They'll be back in March. <laughs> Warhorse is there. Warhorse rules ass. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep that on the calendar. Uh, but without any further ado, let's bring in the other member of our usual crew who will surely steer us away from the pro wrestling conversation. And she is Second City Hockey's Bull and Wall of Text. You can't find her on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. It's Betsy. I used to watch wrestling a lot when I was younger. I just kind of grew out of it. Like, um, I didn't have cable and <laughs> see, I'm, I'm, I think I, I did the same thing as you are, but then I got like, I think it's a combination of a lot of things of the, the Blackhawks not being good. Maybe just like pandemic boredom and, and everything else. And just, I, I saw like a bunch of people talk about wrestling and I started glancing at it. So maybe when you get, you know, up into your thirties where I'm at, maybe you can dive into pro wrestling again in a few years. I'll say just, that. Just- just that, AEW, not WWE, because yes, WWE absolutely. has become garbage. Exactly. 
Uh, I'll tell you that uh, um, most of like the t- like I've been in, in like a fandom group for like years on Twitter, um, and we kind of cycle through. <laughs> the same type like you can always see whenever like all of a sudden everybody's into k-pop or all of a sudden everybody's into hockey because there was a time in like 2013 literally my entire feed that had never watched hockey before all of a sudden and I was like this is new I'm glad <laughs> I have something I can contribute to what is essentially American Idol people at the time um there's like a good swath of them into women's hockey right or uh, women's wrestling right now um okay. so I have been kind of vicariously watching uh, like clips through that, but not enough to immerse myself yet, but it's for, predominantly women's wrestling. For what it's worth, WWE has a lot of the best women's wrestlers. Yes. Like WWE has an amazing amount of talent. They're just booked like shit. Yes. And I'm just waiting for new day to become AEW wrestlers. They're just, they have, they have some talent, but they're not properly utilizing it. Correct. Is that what you're saying? Cause that's a perfect segue to the 2021, 2022 Chicago Blackhawks. There it is, folks. <laughs> there it is. There it, it is. is. Stuck the landing and everything. Dave, Dave just chipped one out of the sand and, and just went right in the hole. Exactly. In which case, in which case the new day are Alex to bring cat. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah, we can get on board with that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that does bring us to the Blackhawks. And the reason we've gathered, well, we we gathered because it's been a week, but we also, the timing of this happened to be quite fortuitous because just about an hour ago, uh, the Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravelli reported that Kyle Davidson is going to become the Chicago Blackhawks 10th general manager in team history. That announcement is expected on Tuesday or today when you're listening to this, I assume. So uh, after a lengthy search, they had a whole bunch of candidates, a bunch of uh, I think it was down to three finalists of uh, uh, Greenberg. And I wanted to say John Greenberg, but that's not the name. He, John Greenberg's worked for the athletic. Is it Josh Greenberg? The guy from the Cubs. I can't remember his first name now. It was Jeff. Jeff Greenberg. Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff Greenberg. Correct. That's the one who is, who's worked from the Cubs front office. And they had Matthew Darsh, I think is, I'm not exactly sure how to say it. It seems mm-hmm. very French Canadian. I feel like. Darsh. Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, he was also a finalist, but it looks like they're ultimately settling on Kyle Davidson, and the internet is ablaze with discussion about whether or not that's a good idea. Um, my main reaction, or my primary reaction, is just one of shock and horror because the Blackhawks general manager is now younger than me, and that is not a sentence I am comfortable saying, but uh, I'm just going to have to get used to it, I guess. So, uh, let, we're just going to swing it around the panel and, and get the usual, j- just get some thoughts and see where it goes. Because I think we've had plenty of thoughts in our pre-show Slack discussion for the last half hour or so. Uh, and the news is all fresh. So the thoughts are still fresh. So was, we'll see where it goes. And uh, I, I usually swing it around to Shay first. So let's do that here. Shay, what, what are your thoughts? You, you said the word, you said the phrase uh, settling on. I, I like the first part of that uh, because that's exactly what the Blackhawks are doing. Although if anybody expected the Blackhawks to actually make the, uh, the right hire after the last year, ooh, uh, they well, went with the, they went with the young guy. Certainly warranted with the yes. team lately. <laughs> they went, the, they went with a young guy who was groomed by arguably one of the worst GMs over the past decade. All right. 
All right, Sam all right. Bowman. Hang on, hang on. Sam Bowman hang on. was hang on, real hang on, bad, guys. Right, look, look, the ba- look the back on it. All right, Ugh. let's let's let's. I'll give it the obvious preface that everything that happened in 2010, why he got fired, was horrendous. From a purely on ice perspective, though, like Ugh. I know, I know it gets into okay. The whole, they couldn't draft. They didn't really do good, do well in free agency. They couldn't get Kane. They sent her for forever. Like what? What did he do okay. well? But he they they did win. Two Stanley Cups. Okay, but not with, yes, not because of Stan Bowman. I would argue that the three cups eh. were not because of Stan Bowman. They were because of the two prior GMs. Eh. I mean, Dale Talon and he, the guy who drafted yeah. the guy who drafted Brent Seabrook and Corey Crawford. See, I forget this, his name. I wasn't a fan. Then. Mike Smith. But that guy did more for the team than Stan than Stan but, Bowman. Did. But the argument, but the, like, I, I, you can make the argument that Dale Talon and Mike Smith contributed more, but I don't know if I would buy that Stan Bowman did nothing. Because the, the, the team I, was left I, I, I'm not saying he did nothing. I'm saying he did negatively. No, but I he contributed at least to some level of success for a while. See, I, I don't want to rehash the whole Stan Bowman era, but I, I guess that I, I guess that my, my argument is that like it's it, 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 what if Kyle Davidson learned all the all the things to not do. That's my devil's that's, advocate. That's that is optimistic as opposed to like oh, I'm, a I'm, guy, I'm, a guy as opposed to a guy from Tampa Bay who would have been the correct choice. Who like was like widely uh, 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 apparently according to uh, reporting from Elliot Friedman, widely praised. Like he was getting interviews everywhere, and who would have had Iserman, who's arguably the best GM in hockey, and Breezebois, who's okay. not bad. Okay, as but then, his mentors instead. Then you get into what I, I like to think of as, the, and this comes up in the NFL all the time. It comes as Bill Belichick syndrome, and that. All of his assistant coaches go somewhere else. Or like, yes, but okay. But again, and, and they don't win like, anything because Bill Belichick does so much of it. So how do you know that Darsh in Tampa or anybody else that they interviewed wasn't just a byproduct of a really good front office person over them? Because we look at the fact that Tampa Bay has won two cups since Iserman left uh, and that the Barclay Goudreau and uh, – like Coleman moves were done by Breezebois, which means that one of at least at least the first assistant of Iserman's to get a job in the NHL is doing a really good job and okay. has won two cups. That's that's so fair. this is not this is not the Belichick. Oh, so wait, 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 is, wait, wait. So Breezeball won two cups with a team that Iserman assembled and he gets he, credit for those, but Stan Bowman doesn't get yes, credit. Yes, because Barclay Goudreau and Blake Coleman, which again were moves what he about, made and moved. What and about like, Oduya like or Letty or drafting Saad or drafting Shaw or, dra- or drafting Alex to bring it? Or okay, to again, the, past, the past decade. I'm I'm sorry. Over the past I, twelve years. That's, no, that's, so not I can past, totally, 12, 10 years. I sorry, I know it's not my turn, but I can totally understand not being like hating Bowman from 2016 on because he made mistake after mistake and they got bigger yes. as he went. But he has done he has done no, objectively no. nothing good since the drafting of, of Alex Brinkham. That was the that's, last and that's fine. I, I agree with that statement. But to say that he didn't do anything for the Blackhawks because after 2010 I'm not saying he didn't do Exodus, anything. I'm saying he did overall his his tenure here was negative. And I'm saying that if you look at it like that, as if the cu- the cups didn't happen and they would not have happened, 2013 does not happen if Bowman doesn't rebuild the team, essentially. The core is still here, so he's got like a really good basis. But how many teams have really good cores that never 
win a cup. Yeah, that core got shit on in 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah, Col- yeah, Colorado, yeah and- Colorado ain't won anything with a pretty good core. Guess, I mean, who, who, guess who Oduya replaced? Chris fucking Campoli. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. And Oduya is the exact same type of grab that a Blake Coleman or he's the exact same, un, you know, an underrated player playing well on a bad team, bought low. And they looked at his analytics and they went, but he could be better. And sure enough, he comes to here and he is. They slotted Letty exactly where they needed to. And then they made, they did have decent draft picks. They just didn't do well with second contracts on any of them for a long time. Because underneath Bowman, the only first round pick that did not become a um, NHL player was McNeil. McNeil. Yeah. Let's define let's NHL player for a second, though, because none of them became impact, really. Like, w- like look at his drafting history and, and tell me that that's a okay. good ja- drafting right. history. I mean, that, that Dan Bowman's drafting know, history is good. Teravainen, Hartman. They became, became better players elsewhere because of bad trades that Stan Bowman made. Okay. Oh, everything you, you, cannot, you cannot tell me that the Phil Deneau trade, that the Terry Hortaravainen trade were good trades. Those I'm are not bad saying trades. they are. I'm saying you said they, he'd never drafted well, and he did occasionally draft okay, well. Okay, but again, now, granted, they became I better players elsewhere. But still. It's better to draft. I, I'd say, I think what the point Betts is trying to make is it's better. It, it, at least it's an indication that they knew how to spot talent and draft it. Obviously, they completely mis, mismanaged the handling of those players once they had them on the team. I, I think yeah. we're, nobody nobody here is going to defend the Deno. I mean, the I have trade. the biggest pet peeve with the way he handled second. Everybody, anybody who is in the comments with me, I bring it up whenever anybody says something. That's, I'm like, I think that's where the Bowen Wall of Texas name came from, actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was one of my biggest, like, I did this, like, huge breakdown of it. I swear, I think I hit, like, the, the word cap limit on a comment and had to, like, go back and, like, edit it I didn't even know those down. exist. All right. Let's, they did. But, but, but again, but, but again. You say he can spot talent. Over the past two drafts of his, the last two drafts of his, he did nothing but draft size. He was just, what was Minnesota's really bad GM's name? Paul something? He was just that guy. The last two drafts, he was F- just Fenton? Paul Fenton? Fenton. He was just yeah. Fenton for okay. the last two drafts. All right. All right. Let's, let's, all right. Let's, let's swing this around to Betsy and let's bring this up to 2020 or 2022, yeah. <laughs> whatever year it is. I forget. I, we, we understand the Stan Bowman's legacy in Chicago is complicated at best from an on ice perspective. Off ice is a whole other can of worms that we're not going to get into today because we've already done that show. So Betsy, let, uh, your Kyle Davidson thoughts. I know, ba- Kyle- I know Stan Bowman's in there, but let's try and at least focus. Yes. On Davidson. My Kyle Davidson thoughts are that, uh, <laughs> It's crazy that Shay and I were disagreeing so much there because I agree with them about the grooming part. I That's the only thing we actually know about Davidson because he hasn't really done any trades yet except the for... The Curtis Gabriel move. Yes, which he's a bad player, but it was a wash anyway. And he, I, Curtis Gabriel has played more NHL games than Chad Chris has, so... And <laughs> I, Chad Chris. <laughs> Who <laughs> was drafted just sort of before Sam Gerard? All right, all right. Let I'll, I'll just say that talk. I'll just say that uh, you know, like that ended up being a wash. It wasn't a big deal. I would preferred him not bend over for an interim coach. I think that's weird too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only thing we actually know is he's groomed by Bowman, and there is a chance, like so far, like Ben Pope and Laz, like a lot, bunch of the regular beats have come out and said. Well, from what I know, he does have a fresh perspective and, you know, he wants to change the organization. He doesn't think like Bowman. And I'm like, okay, they would know better than me, but they're also um, possibly mouthpieces for the organization a little bit. They're there to be positive sometimes. 
Um, but my whole thing is if, if you're looking, if they were looking for a fresh perspective, they could have gone outside. That would be a definitive mm-hmm. fresh perspective. Yeah. They can sit there and sell Davidson as something new and shiny. But if you really wanted it to be like a clear, this is going to be something new, you just had to go outside. And also, I think they walked through the motions. I think Davidson was the pick from the beginning. And they did this whole almost circus show um, around it to be like, we're not just picking internal who we like. So I, that's the way is, it comes out to me. It is very, I, I got to say, like, it's not my money, so I don't care. But it, that is an elaborate amount of time and money and effort spent on a dog and pony show of just giving Kyle Davidson the job. Like I, uh, I think, I don't know if it I was, think they I, had to. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, I think the last month they, they, they would have announced him month, like probably a month ago. If Rocky works had not opened his mouth. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Elliot Freeman said like that Kyle Davidson was viewed as the favorite from the get go. So I, I don't know. Um, I think, and I think Betsy, you've been saying like, for the last two months, I think you've been saying it's going to be Davidson. I, it's been in our Slack chat. I don't know if it's emerged anywhere else, but <laughs> I, I will confirm for everyone listening. Betsy's been saying it's going to be Davidson. And I kept telling myself, I kept trying to not fall to that conclusion. I felt like it was always in the back of my mind and I wanted to talk myself out of it. But here we are anyway. Yeah, it and is what it is. I would say like, sorry, Betsy, I'll let you finish your point. Well, I was just going to say that it's done. And at this point, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold Bowman against him going forward. Yeah, that's I, the only thing you can do at this point. Yeah, everything else. I, I mean, like the best, the most positive, or I guess the biggest feather that you could put in a Kyle Davidson cap right now is within two weeks of him being named the interim general manager, he wa- he was able to convince the front office to fire the head coach because it was so obvious that things were not working. I like, I feel like for an interim general manager to fire a, a a non-interim coach, like, I don't know if that's, I would have to look it up to see if that's ever happened before. It doesn't come to mind, but usually interim general managers don't get to fire head coaches, which tells you how bad the situation was. But also I feel like, you know, some, some points are awarded to Davidson for at least making that observation. If he had anything to do with the hiring of Derek King as the interim coach, then he then right. that tars the feather he, like, a little bit. I know you. What you if they were gun, they were like they were gonna hire an interim head coach. You're not gonna get Bruce Boudreaux to show Crawford. up on an interim basis. Mark Crawford, Crawford is Mark right Crawford there. Might be that uh, might be the head coach anyway. He's just not the titled head coach. Like I, there, there's been plenty of uh, discussion around that from several places that Mark Crawford is heavily involved with a lot of things. So they, they just, they needed someone to lead to, to pull the Titanic up from the bottom of the ocean as it was heading at the moment. And uh, I mean, Derek King right of the ship a little bit. I guess that'll be one thing is if they named Derek King, the full-time head coach, well then we'll let everybody uh, throw themselves uh, off of building somewhere, but uh, let's get Mill in for his thoughts before I forget. Mill, go ahead. Um, okay. Well, I just have two quick points about this Davidson thing. Cause I don't think I'm as like riled up as everybody else about it. Um, first off getting a young guy or girl into the door of the NHL or person, I should say getting anybody young into a job there is very difficult. So I'm not going to hang my hat on like grooming, like this fucking guy wanted a job and he got in the door any way he could. I'm assuming. 
And we could have guessed the same shit about like a guy like Sullivan, like, oh, he came from this Hawks organization. Well, look what he ended up being, right? After the Boston catastrophe that nobody remembers. Um, so I, I really think we have to give it time and just see like right. this guy might not be anything like Bowman. We don't know. Just because he worked under him. I mean, I worked under people and then eventually, you know, climbed up ladders where I was nothing like the people who hired me. You know what I mean? Or taught me. Yes. Yeah, um, that's, that's entirely it's absolutely possible. So that's just my first point. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying I can't get all like excited or disappointed yet. It's just too early. Um, but I, I really think they have to establish an on ice culture of like, okay, like this is the GM, this is the coach, this is the relationship. We're going in the training camp. What kind of team are we? What kind of style do we play? What mm-hmm. kind of guys do we need uh, to require to play that style? And then you can kind of build a team and get some kind of skeleton. You know, they have to decide what they're going to do with Taves and Kane. I mean, like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of decisions to make. This isn't going to be a quick turnaround. Yeah, there, there's, there's good, there's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to say five things at once and just stuttering came out. Mm-hmm. The job that Kyle Davidson is walking into is not an easy one. It's a very difficult task, and I think that's why uh, the idea of hiring somebody so young and new to this job, even if he's been the interim guy for two months, hiring somebody new and young to that, you know, they're immediately going zero to ninety. Like there will be, there's no easing into this role. Like you are handed an absolute mess of a situation, and you've got to make the best of it for your first ever time as a general manager. Uh, that that's not. It's not encouraging, but as you said, Mill, like some the the fact that he is a young guy lends itself to the idea that maybe it's a different perspective, that maybe he has a different way of thinking and doing things. But we're not going to know that until moves are made. The good news I have in that regard is the trade deadlines in what three weeks. So I think we're going to learn pretty I, quickly about we're going to learn a decent amount about him. I, I just want to say, go ahead, Jay. That was all, I will also say that there's there's a good track. There is a decent person out there who is a young GM named Kyle Dubas, who is proving that young GMs can work. However, big asterisk, Kyle Dubas had managed the, both the Toronto Marlies and the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds before he became the manager of the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Davidson doesn't have that history. All right. But so. hey, just remind me, how many Stanley Cups has Kyle Dubas won real quick? I know we're all everyone's calling him the boy wonder, but. Well, he, he's I would rather, analytics. I would, like him. I would much rather have him than Kyle. I, I, I just want to put an end cap on on my thoughts. Is Davidson could end up <laughs> sucking out loud. Like I'm not denying that. <laughs> yeah. But I I just think that whoever was going to come in to clean up the mess of like, okay, we still have Q, but there's cap space hell, so the defense sucks. We fire the coach. Now the cap space is better. Uh, we still have these old guys. Now we're trading guys. Now the coach is bad. It's like. They just are basically handing somebody a shovel and it's like Jurassic Park when they see the huge pile of shit and it's just like clean this up. <laughs> so it's it's going to take very good time. reference. Very good. Re- yeah, uh, I. So basically he's uh, uh, David Kyleson is Jeff Goldblum. David <laughs> That's my new name for him <laughs> okay. because because of because of Brian Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the American uh, dragon, David Kyleson. Oh, God. Um, I guess the, the, the word that I've come to for this move is just uninspiring i think what betsy said about having an i bet your shay one of you two said it the having an outside perspective 
come into the organization would have been like a breath of fresh air and given you more reason for optimism. The fact that they just took the interim tag off the guy who's been in the organization for the last 10 to 12 years doesn't do much to inspire confidence that everything's going to be better under Davidson's tenure. But I, I, similar to what Mill said, like, I don't really, it's so much of an unknown. And I think this is true with any organizational hire. I think the same thing will be true whenever he settles on the head coach. Like I, I don't have sports is such a weird calculus. Sometimes the, the chemistry just, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't for reasons known and not known. So just I, I I don't know what to say about him other than, yeah, it's uninspiring, but I like I have no reason to think that he's gonna be the next Peter Chiarelli. I also have no reason to think he's gonna be the next Steve Eiserman. Or Benning. Be so, yeah. He's gonna be somewhere, I assume somewhere in the middle, and that's a very wide range to be in, and we'll see where he ends up. Like I'm not it's not Peter Chiarelli. Like I would like to get that on the board. I'm very yeah. happy they didn't. Hard do agree. Hard agree. Oh my god, sure. that that would have been. He wasn't on the short list, guys. Come on. I don't he care. The fact that he weird. was even considered scared the shit out of me. I'm not gonna lie. That's part of the reason I thought it was such like a like a fake thing because they were like, now we're gonna throw in at least some a name that somebody knows. Oh, we're, gonna throw, we're, we're gonna throw in some bad veterans. Yeah. God, they're, they're like, we're gonna make everybody hit the goddamn panic switch. <laughs> like yeah now we're gonna have some fucking shit to you write about what? at secondcityhockey.com was, was that the whole reason was why they did that it's like well the, we're gonna get people to say at least we didn't hire Pierre Chiarelli yes that's, yep. <laughs> yes yeah. be. you know what that's a good fucking PR but also I, I think I also think the worst is we're listening to the NHL a little bit and apparently the NHL loves Peter Chiarelli so well somebody has to because there's no reason that guy should continue to get jobs True. can I I have one point that I will be in Davidson's favor because apparently Brian Campbell is going to be a part of his inner circle. Yeah, which that's um, I'm very happy about that. Just the inner guy. circle. Yes, the inner circle. I, I'm um, just a huge Brian Campbell fan, so thrilled that he's back. Yeah, he's and I I've, I've heard nothing when he was in when he was playing uh, this last little stint and doing all that kind of stuff. There was all this stuff about how he was such a mentor to the young players and how he thought about the game in a way. You know, like he just evaluated them in a, in a really good way and, you know, doing coaching stuff and rock for, you know, so I'm very excited about that. But I also think it might suggest that they're willing to look, they're willing to listen to the players that are still on the team. Because that was something that Kane was very, you yes. know, like vocal yeah. about, you know, Kane is not really a player that speaks to like the NHL as a whole or his organization as a whole. He's, you know. He's usually a lot of cliches and yes, exactly. And he and, comes out and very specifically on, on, um, Strom, of course. And then he's like, I hope they listen to us. And, uh, and then you've got Debrinket talking about Hegel being the identity of the team almost, you know, like mm-hmm. those are heavy words from two of the biggest stars and two of the only players like legitimately carrying the load currently. Um, so I'm hopeful. I don't, I don't want the front office to like, just listen to them, but I would love for them to get the insight and for those players to feel like they're being listened to at least a little bit. And I feel like Brian Campbell being included means that that's a possibility. Well, well Betsy, to your um, point, do you remember when they traded, uh, or they didn't resign Corey Crawford and they were trading guys and Jonathan Taves came out and ripped them a new one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's exactly what we don't need. 
Yeah. Yeah. Keep, I like, I don't expect them to, to, uh, follow Like if, if Kane says, Hey, if you trade Strom, I'm going to leave. Like, I don't want any of that kind of stuff, but as long as the players feel like they're being listened to and that their input is being taken into, even if it's ultimately not the direction they go in, I think that's a good relationship to have with your core players, um, especially ones that think the game, like there's a lot of people who think Kane's probably going to be a GM one day. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kane, Kane thinks about this game in ways I think Joe Sackick and Steve Eisenman thought about this game. Except yeah, I, for those guys both played two ways. This is a lot different. Yeah, yeah that's I, why I think that, that's why I think the, the ultimate choice still should have been Marion Hosler. What, I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna, I just if you've ever seen any of the stuff that comes out of the Daryl um oh my god, what is his last Darryl name? Daryl Belfry? Yes. This the way that, that Kane talks about players in there and how they play two way makes me think that it's not that Kane doesn't understand how to do that, it's just he doesn't do it like he he can't do it himself maybe even um it's not in him to do that kind of stuff but he understands how it is it's kind of like how players that are like mediocre nhl players end up being great coaches like that's what happens regularly isn't kane also quietly like undersized too yeah i mean yeah i mean that's like 510 like buck 80 i think like that's not yeah it's not that big so he, he's the, I don't think he could play two ways that well. But anyway. the, but the thing about Kane is there'll be somebody right in front of him. And he could easily pick their pocket because his hands are that good. It'll be some nobody, and he just watches them and holds yeah. his junk. Like he's just yeah. he he hangs the uninterested sign too often for my liking defensively for how talented his hands are. Yeah. That's all. I mean, yeah. I think he could lead the league. And that's totally a thing he does regularly in the regular season. In the playoffs, it's like that's the whole playoffs cane thing that happens. He can turn that type of thing off because the amount of times that he would go into a corner, he didn't even touch anybody, but he would be the one that came out with a puck because his hands are that good was always so fascinating to me. Um, I can't remember in 2013, he had like the most takeaways, um, not based on NHL stats, but by regular trackers, people that were manually tracking outside of it. But anyway, that's a whole different discussion. I was just saying that I am excited about player input, including former player input, and that that a player that they selected was Brian Campbell. I would love yeah. Marion Hosa in there too, but I actually want yes. him more coaching I, I, staff related. But yeah. That's just I want yeah, I, I, cool. I would have loved it if they listened to Brian Campbell a little bit more before the season. Like, yeah, because he mentioned Adam Boquist, yeah. Yes, I, I was ready. Then they that. would have traded yeah. Boquist. Well, I, I think, but the, the overall point about like, and I, I hope this is like something that Kyle Davidson does. Like, it's, it's you have to have, you know, have the ability to take input and suggestions from players like Kane, probably like Taves too, the other veterans on your team, but also like to an extent, you have to have the confidence and you have to have the confidence in your own ability as a general manager to tell them no, this is not for the best because uh, I was just listening to somebody else talking about uh, LeBron James in the NBA and how every time they let him be the pseudo GM, you end up like his team in LA where he, wanted to, get, he wanted to get all his buddies together and they suck. So uh, the idea of like, you want to have players input. Yes, but you are also the general manager and it is your decision. So there's nothing wrong with taking input and you absolutely should from players like Taze and Kane and, and others who've been around and who have been so good for so long, but you also have to have the ability to, you know, have, have the spine to stand up for yourself and say, no, I'm going to do this instead because I think it's better. That's very true. So, well, 
in Kane's defense, the only players that he likes are good ones because <laughs> favorite <laughs> players are true. like and Aaron. I, I mean, and, yeah, like he's got, he, stuff like that. You know, he <laughs> didn't he didn't stump for like uh, I don't know. He didn't stump for Brandon Bolig to be a second line or David Comp. That's a more recent example. The only thing about Kane is like when he's done playing hockey, I don't, you know, never know how somebody's going to feel. Like some people can't leave and some people want to be like kind of off on the beach. So we're going to, so we're going to see, he's either going to be like an addict and be like, I have to do something in hockey or he's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to the Jimmy Buffett show later. (laughs) No, he, he does. I agree with, I think Shay said like, he seems like the, uh, once he, once he's done playing, maybe it takes a year or two to, to be away from the game and, you know, have a have a winter without any work, but he does seem like the future GM type. But um, yeah, Davidson's replacement. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> after, butts and seats. Yeah, after they oh, after they fire him in three years because he doesn't work well. Shay, is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. I, I, and, I, and, and even it, it, what's wild is that isn't Kane technically older than Davidson? Yes. Well, I think they're roughly the same age. I had to look this up today. I think. Davidson was born in July of 88. He's 30. He'll be 34 this year. Kane and Taze are both born in 88. I just yes, know that. Yeah. That's a year. Is, I don't April know what their birthdays Kane, are. Kane's November and Taze is April, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, they're so all about, they're all about the eight, same So, the age. captain is older than the GM. Got it. Well, well, he was older than the coach, too. So, right? No, no, that was Keith. Fuck, who wasn't older than the coach? <laughs> yeah, Seabrook was the same age. because they, Okay. They were on the same World Juniors team. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, I think that'll we're going to take a quick break here after uh, all the general manager discussion. Maybe we'll do more of that. Um, we did have like a week and a half to two weeks of games to talk about. Uh, I don't know how much interesting stuff happened <laughs> during that that we can discuss, uh, but we're going to try and do that on the other side of this timeout. So come on back for more of the show. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. As promised before the break, I want to do a quick recap of the games we've missed. Uh, it's, been, it's been a little bit since we've talked, of course, so we've missed five games. The Blackhawks lost four of them. Uh, we're yeah. shut out twice. All so at really, home. Yeah, all at home. So really, really been a banner five-game stretch. Now you know why we didn't record last week. But anyway, so they lost to the Blue Jackets 7-4. to four. They, they lost to the Stars 1-0 to nothing in the shootout. That was the game where nobody scored a goal, and Dallas got a point because they won the shootout. So that must have been riveting action. The Panthers beat them 5-2, to two, which, you know, it's going to happen. They're the Panthers. They beat the Devils 8-5 to five Friday night in an absolute gong show of a hockey game that was wildly entertaining uh, compared to everything else they've done this year. And then uh, they made up for that by playing a pretty abysmal 4 to nothing defeat to the St. Louis Blues on Sunday. I don't know if there's anything that stands out in any of your memories from the last uh, – four to five games that we haven't missed, but uh, Shay, we'll, we'll throw it to you first. Uh, anything that stands out in your memory from the last week and a half? It was feel special. Free, feel free to answer was, no, and we'll move along. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not really. I mean, I will say that like the Jake Ottinger, Marc-Andre Fleury shootout game was incredible because Ottinger grew up apparently loving Fleury. Um, and also, very well could have been a Blackhawk because uh, he was taken with the Blackhawks original first round pick that year. So that's fun. It's fun to know. Yay. <laughs> uh, moving along, Betsy, any, any thoughts from you uh, from the last five games? Uh, the Blackhawks regressed in terms of their puck handling. The yes. amount of turnovers. Yeah. In, like, so I know that they, um, 
they asked to play a little bit looser because they apparently were getting tired of not scoring at all, you know? Like, oh, really? We were all very excited about like the defensive steps that they took because they did get better at protecting, you know, high danger against high danger chances. But we also were like, there's nothing happening offensively. It's like dead. They went from one extreme to the other to me (laughs) because it's just like completely open now. So it's like, I don't know if this coaching staff can. Um, And then the other, the only other point was, um, that I I like King fine as like a person and he seems like an honest, direct guy, but also when you sit there and say Reese Johnson and um it whistle both are like Brandon Hagel and you just are like where <laughs> seeing that other than the fact that they all can all are high energy guys, but like stop with that and then he followed up <laughs> <laughs> he followed up Stop with, with that. Oh, he followed up with Caleb Jones. How, like he was like Caleb Jones and Connor Murphy have been a good pair, and it's like objectively they have not. Uh, and not, I'm not even talking about that last game. I'm talking about like in general, anytime they're paired, they've been crap. And Caleb jo- Jones has been not good most of the season, um, which was disappointing because I thought he had a great. Um, like training camp and everything. And I was mm-hmm. actually really excited. And then he got injured. And when he came on, he just hasn't done anything really. He's had one or two games, like three or four at most where you're like, I actually really like him. And if you look at any of those games, it's when his minutes are very sheltered and are low yeah. and they could be putting their efforts into other young defensemen, in my opinion. But my point is I'm, Every time King says that, I'm like, well, I'm glad he's the interim. Yeah. I'm I, I, I think I, I appreciated that when Derek King took over, it, it looked like, you know, they, they kind of decided like this team is just getting, you know, they're getting picked apart defensively. They're leaving guys wide open in the slot. So we're just going to focus on defense. We're going to play low event hockey. We're going to rely on our really, really good goalie to try to win some games. And we're going to see what happens. And it worked for a while, but that's not really a recipe for long-term success in the NHL. And you're seeing that happen. And now like the Blackhawks really can't win any other way. So it's either, you know, you play like maybe they'll win a couple of games here and there with the low event style hockey. And then anytime, you know, and eventually they'll run to a low event game where they lose or they'll run to a game that opens up more and they can't keep up. So it's just, it's an overall, like, uh, anything that leads to a win is a temporary measure that will not work in the long run, which is kind of been the story of the last five seasons of this team. But uh, I think you're, you're seeing it play out with a different guy. At least King had an idea to start, but uh, I, I think you're seeing why he so far probably is not the guy you want in a long-term uh, full NHL coaching position with your team. Although I'd be interested to see what happens if they bring in somebody else. Like, do they send King back to the AHL? Can he do that? Like, yeah, they said something about they're like, well, he's earned a spot to stay with the organization. And I'm like, okay. that's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I, it seems like Rockford's doing better. I know he's not there, but, you know, maybe his, I don't know if uh, Anders Sorensen learned under King well to be an AHL coach. I don't know. Or. But, Soderbloom is just playing really well down or there. Or Soderbloom's just playing really well down there. Or Soderbloom sees more shots than any other goalie in the AHL. 
So, all right. So maybe it's an organizational thing. So maybe that's maybe that's uh, uh, the number one thing for Kyle Davidson is to get your teams on all levels to stop giving up so many goddamn shots on goal. Somebody look into the Indy Fuel, see how they're doing with shots against. Uh, maybe they're doing it there too. I don't know. Also, I, I like how you said other young defensemen for for Caleb Jones as if he's young. I mean, he's twenty four. I mean, he'll be twenty five soon, so I'm okay. Like. <clears throat> Like Ian Mitchell is not that much. I mean, I mean, he's a year younger than him, but because um, he'll be 20. Oh, no, no, he's like a year and a half, maybe a little bit more than that. I was wrong, but I just I, I'm fine with that age group. I just I'm I'm shocked that they have kept him consistently playing games so much because other right. defensemen have been sat for the same mistakes he makes game after game after game. Game. Yes, and objectively, there's three defense, at least three defensive prospects in Rockford who are more talented than them. I'm just going to assume they believe that Rockford is a better place for them, and that that is they are shielding them from the NHL and whatever it, mess is happening with the Blackhawks, and that's fine. Like that's the argument of <clears throat> 20 minutes in the AHL is better than eight minutes in the NHL. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, because because Derek King's only going to play them eight minutes. Yeah, he yeah. played Lucas Reichel eight minutes in the last game, and I thought that was really weird. Like, and then like, Lucas Reichel immediately went back to rock, down yeah, to Rockford and was yeah. like smoke showing it again. So, well, welcome to another Shay drops a bomb and walks away. Derek King <laughs> hates kids. Hate, hates the kids. He does not like young players. Okay. <laughs> well, but he's the coach of the AHL. It's all you. Half the guys are you either have like guys under twenty two or like Cody Franzen at thirty five. Like yeah, and he played Cody Franzen too much. Well, but Cody Franzen was actually pretty good. For well, the age. I, I think it's Mill, like Mill. A, let's bring Mill in. We had yeah, quiet for far too long. I, I think it's important to consider like a guy who is a legitimate older guy who's like a rock a rock for coach. Like a lot of times they're gonna say this guy still has bad habits. I don't want him out there for twenty minutes, even if he's talented. Um, even though I don't like when they don't play guys a lot, I I'm like that too. Sometimes they're, they just, the game speed and some of the habits they have are, they're not ready, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, no, I, any, anything from the last five games you want to throw uh, out? They're, here? they're mostly boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is incredible. Fuck yep. the one I covered, like they had two guys have hat tricks and like still gave up five goals. Um, and also, uh, Soderblom also sees the most shots in the NHL, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just fuck them. Like, come uh, on, protect your you baby. Know, you know what the thing yeah. is, though. Seriously, uh, something that I, I noticed in the Blues game, and it goes back to Dallas. Flurry can only carry the team so much. Like, you get him a goal in that game, and you win. He made uh, so many highlight reel saves in the Dallas game, and yeah. incredible. But the Blues game, it's like. He still, albeit by one, he still had a, a, a one more save than Bennington. Like, it's not like oh, if like Flurry laid an egg. It's like the team stinks in front of him. I, I think that there are guys on the team who, like Jake McCabe, might not suck, but he's playing like he sucks. And like Caleb Jones, <laughs> I enjoy that set. The, the way you but, phrase that, that's very good. But the only thing that I do like, and I, I, this is, I'm assuming King being an older guy who was a AHL coach, I'm assuming this is part of him or Mark Crawford or whoever. They are playing a little bit more disciplined than they did under Jeremy Colleton. Yeah. And I, and I, I think it's because like, like you remember Zadorov like leaving to go nail somebody and then he goes in the box and then he plays the next shift. 
Like yeah. a real, a real coach, even if you're in peewees is going to sit your ass down for that. So like, I think King might have, I hate to say have the room, but like, I think some of those young guys know like, all right, like stay in position. Don't be an idiot. They get they, when they usually, when they take a penalty, it's because they can't hit the game speed. Like they just can't keep up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a lack of execution, not a lack of like brains, I guess they're not doing. Yeah. yeah it's just, I, I think, I, I think your point about like King still having the room, like there, it seems like there's plenty of games where, you know, if they give up an early goal or what have you, like they're not like in, in a lot of the games in the Colleton era, especially the first month of this season, um, you know, the Hawks gave up <laughs> one, one or two goals and you could just, you could just see everybody pack it in. Like, I feel like that's not happening this season as much, which is, Ah, it, it ain't much, but it, it's all we got, so we're gonna take it. Like so, it's like right after the Blues game when that's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, um, yeah. The Devils game, I had to make sure I wasn't holding a, a PlayStation controller in my hands. The the, the Devils <laughs> game and the Blues game on Sunday, I I legit, I remember mes- Betsy was on the rehab. I messaged her in the second intermission. I'm gonna go for a bike ride before the sun sets. This game sucks. <laughs> so uh maybe, maybe i'm giving up on the team which that uh, game sucked that it just it wasn't even th- there was nothing redeeming about it like they got shut out which is obviously a big part the of that but i can't was fine. i can't I, I feel like i don't remember the hawks having a scoring chance in that game like you it know, just it did in the first so they growing, had a couple of good shots okay but okay growing up period ugh. Uh, growing up before the uh, like NBC like era like and and like early on in that, I used to really love those two o'clock matinee Sunday games. But then the Hawks got so good they would always be on at like eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. But I used to love going to the two o'clock game, and that's like what that Blues one was. And I was just thinking, I'm like, man, like imagine going to that game. Yeah, Im- imagine. It- Imagine you build your son there on going to see the Hawks and they just get their asses handed. And, 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 and there's nothing to cheer about. There's and no. And it was goal. kids' day. That's right. <laughs> uh, oh, and it was against the Blues. And, and they it said, was against and, the Blues. And yeah. they said, fuck them kids. Yeah, yeah that's did. exactly what I was thinking of that Michael Jordan meme of fuck them kids. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Somebody posted that. It's all I could think about. Um, yeah. Uh, the. The main thing I enjoyed about the Devils, uh, the the game against the Devils was the double hat trick because that brought me back to the 2003 Daze Sullivan double hat trick game where they got each got a hat trick. It was green hat day, so they kept wearing green hats on the ice. And me being who I was, I was like 15 when that game happened, recorded it on VHS and rewatched it 86,000 times because – that was the only game worth watching. I think man. that entire season. So, Steve uh, Sullivan was a tough little son Steve of a Sullivan bitch. Steve Sullivan was man. my guy, man. He like he, uh, like he was uh, like not the same type of player as Alex Debrinkin, but just a short, undersized Small. guy that gave hope to short people everywhere. Well, you know, like Daze, we all knew he was wasting his best years here. Like he, like you still see Daze jerseys at the UC, but like Steve Sullivan's underrated as hell. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that was, it was fun to be able to walk down memory lane through that game. Uh, the Columbus game was, uh, was a similarly gong show as the New Jersey one. The Hawks just didn't win that, but I don't know. I mean, there there's, I, I'm glad that something happened with the general manager position. So now we can focus on some of the, uh, things that need to happen with the organization in terms of trading away veteran players at the deadline and all this stuff, because the all nice stuff, is it really going to change? Like this team's not good. They got 25, 30 some games left 28 exactly after the St. Louis game on Sunday. So uh, it's very much playing out the stretch. I just, I would like to see them start 
you know, the guys who are not going to be around, like the Calvin DeHans and maybe Mark Andre Fleury, if they're Carpenter. not going to be here, Ryan Carpenter's another one. Like, start sending some of these guys out so we can start getting some of the young players in, so we have something to look, something to watch over the last I, couple I, of months of the season. I think the Hawks need to take a page out of the Bulls book. Thirteen new players <laughs> next year. <laughs> I don't think they could do that with the salary cap situation, um, but yeah. And, and that's really all, all, the, all the hockey thoughts I have. Like, and anything else from the panel, hockey wise? I'm glad that uh, I got to use the Youth Gone Wild title against New Jersey, <laughs> since that's a New Jersey band. There you go. Like, I got I got lucky that night that there was a fucking gong show. <clears throat> well, Mill, the hope is that we get lucky every night, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. You're telling me. <laughs> well, on on that note, I guess let's let's do a quick food take before uh, before we get out of here. Uh, I I mentioned I had something. Uh, I feel like the stereotype for my generation is uh, I'm, I'm firmly in the millennial group. I imagine you guys are all in that same age range as well, right? Or some of you too young? Yeah, I know Shay, you're the young. Shay, you're the youngest, so you might be on the the board. I'm, I'm I consider myself as a millennial. All right, everybody makes all this all this talk about avocado being like the best and all these avocado toast jokes avocado sucks i'm sorry it's uh, not good what what uh, is so good avocado guacamole does not, guacamole is very good give me i'll take salsa over guacamole every mm, day of the week and three times on take. sunday that's i don't understand take. what this rage is about why did avocado become the thing assigned to our generation i don't understand because it's, it's because not it's, that good it tastes good and it's good for you <sighs> Eat some fruit. There's plenty of good fruits out there that are it's, also good avocados fruit. are better for you than fruit uh, uh, because vegetables are better for, better for you. I'm, than I'm fruit. sorry, Th- this avocado shit you gotta stop. I'm just I'm I'm that that's my take. Avocados overrated. It sucks. Get it off my plate. Maybe if I ate more avocado, I'd be healthier. But I, oh well. I, I think like they're good like in like with other stuff. Like I'll eat it in a salad or on a sandwich, and I like guac like in my yeah. But so like I don't. So it's a condiment, is what you're. But well, me. no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It, it has to be in there with a bunch of other stuff. Like I don't want to spread it on toast. Yeah, I don't even know where the shit, hell that came from. You guys have not had good avocado toast, then, man. No. Like, oh no, so, but like, is this a regional thing again? Is that what you're going to tell me? No, about no, it's not. It's, 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 I don't it's, think it's, it's a New very York popular. Yeah, I was about to say. So I've had really, really good avocado toast, and um, it's just it's a better spread than some other things that you could just have. Like, and it's not, it's not hard to do. And, uh, you, I don't know. I love avocado. Um, I'm weird and like to cut it up and just have it with like little chips every once in a while as a snack. So, um, well, that's not weird. That's basically, no, okay, normal for that's us. Normal. <laughs> um, yeah. And then guac is, del- I don't even, yeah. I'm always that weirdo that's like, I'm going to need you to bring me like an extra large walk to this table. Cause I need to not only dip my chips in it, I need to like put it into whatever I'm eating, even though I already asked for it to be put into it too. Well, guac is one of those things too, where like it can be awesome. I'm like, uh, or it could just be like, eh, like whatever, like, like, you know, Chipotle guac is fine. But like, if we go to like a Mexican market and buy real guac and like liquid fire hot sauce, like load my I'll, shit up with that. I'll just, I, I don't think I've ever had a bad guac. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like they're all like yeah. fine, but like there's some that are really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it just depends on what you get, but I don't know why it's like, it's because there was some 
article that somebody wrote somewhere because I don't think it was all about millennials and they, for some reason, said avocado toast along yeah. with Starbucks. I, and that's where it blew up because I don't think we necessarily eat it any more than any other generation. It's just suddenly. Yeah, I, I like I don't even know where the writer of that article landed on avocado toast is a thing. Nobody that does. That, that's entire, like, that entire article was crazy because yeah. it was like rent in New York for like $1,000 for like a thousand oh, yeah. square foot. And people were like, excuse you, sir. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like that must have been from like CNBC where the article is no, like, here's I, how I, I, I paid my student debt because my parents gave me a condo well, they in also, the middle of Harlem that I rented out for two grand. I remember the article because it was also like the, the people, they were, they were like budgets for the weekend and it was like, oh yeah. $500 per Saturday and Sunday night. It was like, okay, sir, what? Yeah. Where are you yeah, going? I'm saving so much. They're going money. to a Hawks game in 2015. That's where they're going. We're, we're all like, we're all like friends, you know, like not everybody lives in a rent controlled grandmother, yeah. whatever apartment, like friends. Okay. You know what? When they were putting those articles out during like the big, like shutdown 2020, like when the pandemic started, that shit was coming out and they were making fun of how people in our age group dress. And I was just like, these fucking, I was yelling, like, these fucking losers, get off TikTok. You don't even know how to wash your clothes. Like, I turned into, <laughs> like, an old man. <laughs> no, like, the, those articles about, uh, like, yeah, with the ridiculous weekend budgets. Like, I just, uh, last weekend, I was, or two weekends ago, I was in Indianapolis for an entire weekend for work. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I went to the really fancy steakhouse on Friday night in Indianapolis. And I did not spend $500 that whole weekend, hotels included. So I don't know where the shit people are going to spend $500 a night. The whole, the whole point of millennials I told you, the we United Center. We're poor. We are the poor generation. Of course, we're not spending that much money. We're yeah. not poor because we're not spending that much money. We're just, we don't have any money. That's well, why we yeah, keep canceling no, there's everything. No upward, there's, no, there's no upward mobility. Yeah, we're yeah. all our money's going to our student debt that we we're paying off until we're forty. <laughs> I mean, that's that was the whole running joke of us killing everything. You yeah. know, like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like that was it wasn't that we were like just having different interests than our parents. It's that we were killing everything. Like yeah. I, I, I wish I remembered. I wish I remembered some of the things we were killing because I wanted a campaign for more diamonds. Yeah, yeah, diamonds are a big. Do you know the weirdest one that I saw was dryer sheets. What the fuck? We kill dry like dryer sheets are not like mass. I use dryer anymore. sheets. Yeah. I get them at Costco. Oh. I don't use them, but I use oh, like there's, a, I have a little ball that I have those too, but the dryer sheets smell nice. We we need to we need to bring these back because there's plenty more things we need to kill. Oh, uh, so much chain restaurants, malls. We're we're slowly killing malls. Uh, dude, uh, I, no, that's no, that was that was. Oh, the, dude, the uh, Amazon Amazon killed malls. Like I used <laughs> to, I used to manage a store, and like my main, like my home store was in a mall, and it, the mall was like it used to be bumping even not that long ago. Like weekends were crazy. Like we made a lot of money, and now you go there and it's like it looks like the zombie apocalypse. I, I went to, uh, I remember needing to go, I need to find a bathroom somewhere on the road. And I was down by Bourbonnet and I went to the mall that's right off of 57 down there. And it was like, a, I, granted, it was an 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. And I think it was last spring, right? As things were just about to start opening up. So it wasn't the best time to go. But if you've ever walked through a mall when there's like maybe 10 people inside, it is the most 
horror movie-esque thing you can do. It's absolutely terrifying. Like, I cannot imagine, like, if you ever had to open your store at the mall, like, no way. There's going to be zombies in every storefront. Well, we used to, my brother and I, if we opened together, he worked with me. uh, We would play, like, Poison the Well to keep people away before we were open. But That's, uh, That's a good idea. You know, it's funny, like, like uh rent too though like dick sporting goods moved out of our mall and now they're like across the street by me and uh the one on 41 moved buildings too it's like uh a while ago the the rent is so expensive that like anchor stores are closing or moving out yeah well yeah yeah um welcome to the real estate portion of this podcast by the way yeah i'm like well i was trying to go buy a putter and also they want 300 bucks for an odyssey putter it's like give me a fucking break uh man malls down here are still super packed all the time. Well, I went to the mall in Pittsburgh when I, every time I go up there in October, I was there and it was fine. It was nice. Yeah. But like, was it, it was just, it was it in the city proper? Because maybe it's a suburb. No, it's in Robinson. It's okay. like yeah, yeah. The, it's like suburbs. The suburb, the, the one that's closest to where I am right now is in a place called Kennesaw. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And that one's always packed, and I actually hate going there. And then go up a little bit, and it's on the border of the perimeter to Atlanta always packed too if you go to like linux which if you guys trends constantly because crazy shit happens there if it's not a shooting it's somebody some rapper being like i'm gonna give you all this money and they do that a lot there um that one is like hopping man hit or miss and then you go across (laughs) the street um you hit like dead zone ones you know so it's it's an interesting weird down here in the south but this is now the urban exploring part of this podcast <laughs> come to atlanta i'll show you around all the malls we're gonna be like the youtubers who have the we have to wear masks so we're going in abandoned malls and can't breathe in the bacteria oh, sweet. Would, one good thing about wearing masks at a mall is you can't smell that shit they spray at you because there's still people that do that at the malls down here oh yeah yeah, yeah. What, like the perfume? The random cologne and perfume people? Yeah, the cologne and perfume mm-hmm. people that are just like, oh. let me spread this to See, you. like when All you right, work at, I was going to say, when you work in a mall for so long, they know you work there and they don't fuck with you. Oh. I just, I want to, sh- one day, I'm going to have to listen back to this and ch- somehow chart the map from avocado to getting <laughs> sprayed at the mall by the random cologne and perfume kiosk. And all I want now is avocado. Thanks. I'm going to go have some. After. Yeah. You you do that, Betsy, because I think I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. I think we've gone completely enough off the rails. I think Shay might have left. I think I'm here. <laughs> just, so now, now you know how. Shay pulled the SpongeBob. I'm I'm a head out. <laughs> now, so so is that what Betsy feels like when we start talking about pro wrestling at the start of every show? Probably. I usually just mute you guys, and I'm uh... I. Wow. I do have a question for Betsy off air, though. I, I, I don't think it's a, a question to ask you on air. Oh, okay. all right. Well, then, then let, let's wrap that up so we so we can get to the off air portion because that's always the most entertaining part. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to whatever these inane ramblings were. Uh, we're we'll be back next week with another show. Uh, we we should be. I, I don't think we have schedule conflicts next week. But uh, Shay is on Twitter at Shepherd Price. Mills at Mill182. Betsy's not on Twitter. You can find her at SecondCityHockey.com under the name LBR. I'm at DML57. The main account is at 2 City Hockey. If you could. 
please head over to wherever you get your podcast and rate, give us a good rating, uh, share, tell your friends, subscribe, follow all that good stuff. We'd much appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back with another show next week where uh, we'll probably yell about Kyle Davidson some more. So after he makes his first trade that we decide we all hate, and then we're back to square one all over again. Uh, So thanks again for listening. Thanks to the panel for hanging out and we'll talk to you next week.